Welcome to Series 5 of Behind Closed Doors podcast series. Hello, I am Donnie Walford, the founder and managing director of Behind Closed Doors. In today's episode, we are speaking with Pollyanna Linkich. Pollyanna is one of Australia's leading professionals in creating high-performing cultures that transforms results. For the past 20 years, she has supported clients across government, blue-chip corporate, not-for-profits and mid-tier professional services organisations. She achieves this by helping her clients to develop consistent, high-performing teams, elevating leadership capability and lifting employee engagement and maturing the potential of all. So, Pollyanna, thank you so much for taking the time to join our podcast today. We really are excited because of the outstanding work that you do in helping Australia's leading professionals lift team performance in their organisations. And you also empower women through helping them thrive in the work that they do. So what inspired you to focus on building high-performing teams? Thank you, Donnie, and thank you for inviting me today. It's a pleasure to be here. What inspired me? Gosh, there's so much that inspires me about this work. Two things come to mind, and one of them from a personal self-satisfaction, why you get out of bed lens, is it was an evolution of core coaching skills that I spent years and decades developing. And I love, I truly love all the gifts that coaching gives to the world. It's certainly transformed my life and, and the lives of my clients when I work with them. But I think what I loved was it was a shift from individual and group focus to a team focus. And that's a very specific skill set. So look, I love learning, right? Everything I've done in life is keep building and learning. That's a personal joy that I get. So it was a really interesting extension. And That approach that it's a very different approach, as I mentioned, it's a highly effective way to build on those core coaching skills that I'd invested in developing. And it was just another way of delivering exceptional results for clients because it required an approach, a shift in approach and skill set to move from that individual thinking, group thinking focus to team thinking focus. And the change that makes, because you're now shifting from a what do I need as an individual, what does that individual over there need, to what does the team need? And that's a systems thinking approach. So I got to learn new skills and capabilities, which was awesome. Keep doing work I loved, but in a way that elevated results for my clients. And then what I love about it is it's a tried and tested process that based on research that says if you show up and you do the work, on average, teams I work with over the past 20 something years, get a minimum uplift of 25% on engagement and performance. Yeah, we've got, yeah. That's incredible. I feel like I want to be one of those American infomercials. Yes. (laughs) It's show up and do the work and you'll get the results. Some teams obviously get higher results. Maybe they've got a longer journey to travel, but, you know, when we average it out. And that's consistent globally with people who use this methodology. I think the second one was demand. I was working with senior leaders on that one-on-one capacity and they were regularly sharing the challenges that they were experiencing maintaining high-performance teams. They talked about performance as a bit of a boom and bust cycle and they needed support to help elevate results through team performance. So think about all the senior roles you've had in your career, the pressure on the senior leader to deliver through their team is enormous. Plus, to deliver on your own KPIs, your own responsibilities, that was really derailing and stressing the leaders that I was working with out. So they were sharing regularly the challenges that derailed their days, you know, things like resolving conflict between team members. Now, they felt like they were parenting, not leading. 
And I'm telling you, if you're parenting your team, it's really an effective strategy, not one that is recommended, but we can fall into that cycle, that sort of parent-adult-child ego dynamic. If you think about the work of Dr. Eric Byrne, where we all have three ego, the parent, the child, the adult, what our leadership needs and what our team needs is that we all show up as adults, but we're human, right? So we don't always show up in our adult selves. So leading effectively and leading the system effectively becomes more important so that you break and short circuit that parent-adult-child dynamic and so you can maintain adult-to-adult interactions. So it just, you could just, it's really interesting. The work was really interesting and it delivered exceptional results. So it gave another way to help leaders leverage off their teams without wearing themselves down because team leaders and executives aren't necessarily coaches or high-performance experts. Just for the benefit of our listeners, the difference between a group, leading a group and leading a team, how do you explain that to leaders? Yeah, it's a really good question. So when I was thinking about the sort of individual group and team's focus, individuals obviously is self-explanatory. A group can come together for a purpose or a reason, but not necessarily have to deliver together. So it might be that you have a similar role in the organisation and you're sharing information. It might be that you come together as a group for a specific reason but not to deliver outcomes as a team. So a team come together for one reason and one reason only and that's to deliver on results. I know there are many different layers of teams which I won't go into now but there are different ways that teams come together but a team specifically comes together to get a job done whether that's win a world cup or whether that's to deliver on a project or you're coming together for a specific reason. It's interesting. I think people always think they're working in teams, whereas, as you say, if they're not working towards an outcome, they're probably coming together as a group, as you say. It's, it's interesting. And think of a professional group in an organisation. Maybe you're all in different parts of the organisation but have an interest in managing risk or performing the same role but for different parts of the business. And there's real value in coming together to share best practice, process, a safe place to talk about the challenges that you're having. However, you're not delivering something together. You're not required to work collaboratively or effectively with this group of people to deliver on an outcome. So I want to go back in history a little bit because you've got an entrepreneurial background where you co-founded a specialist IT consultancy in London and at the, at the very young age of 24. This consultancy grew from humble beginnings to a permanent team of 18 with over 100 consultants and an annual turnover of £11 million, which is awesome. So how did that experience inspire you in what you do now? It inspired me greatly was the foundation of it. I came out of that experience very jaded, loved, just loved what I did in my day-to-day job in that role. So if you strip away all the titles and what you did, you know, the fact that I co-founded, strip away all of that, I actually just loved going to work every day and and helping people get work. It was so much fun. However, I made some values-based decisions that have served me well in my life And that was the first time I stepped with terrifying courage. It's that nail-biting, hanging off the edge. I don't want to do this, but I know every fibre in my being is telling me that this is a really important step, but it felt too big and too scary. How do I manage it? How do I exit my company? How do I exit, change my life? Everything changed for me. It was a change bomb. 
So I was talking to one of my clients, actually, who was a director of an investment management bank, an organisation that was one of our clients. And we grew up together. When I was a 24-year-old newbie, he was a 25, 26-year-old newbie in IT, and he became a senior director of this large merchant bank. And obviously, our careers, we grew up professionally together and kept working together. And while I was sitting there feeling like the weight of the world was on my shoulders, I don't know who I am without this. I don't know who I will be. And I don't know what to do. And he said, why don't you just grab a pen and paper, write down all the things you do day to day. And again, forget the titles, forget all the everything. Just write down on Monday morning, I go to work and I do this (laughs) until Friday. And then grab a highlighter pen and highlight all the things that you love and go find a career that brings you some of that. An insightful piece of advice. So from there, I found coaching and I found a coach to work with who helped me make that transition. And it was so powerful and so confronting. This was a life-changing experience for me. What did you find confronting, Pollyanna? Well, you know, you've got to look in the mirror, Donnie, and sometimes sometimes, sometimes you don't like what you have to recognise. And yeah, there was some real powerful moments where choices that have been made, finding the compassion and accountability, but accountability is accountability for the life you're living, right? Regardless of how it's delivered, better compassionately. So I was able to scaffold and create the biggest change in my life through a process. And then of course I was hooked and thought, how do I help others do this? and invested in some very deep dive training that spanned about four or five years and actually hasn't stopped. I haven't stopped investing in that training over the past 20 years. It's transformational. It was a transformational, pivotal moment in my life. That's fantastic. So define for us what is meant by high-performing teams and how can a high-performing team help create a high-impact culture? Yeah, that's a great question. Again, a big topic. But when you build high-performing teams, the ripple effect creates the space for an organisation to have higher impact or greater impact. So, for example, it might be if you're a purpose-based organisation and not-for-profit, so creating that high-performance across There's 14 key capabilities that I work with when I work with clients to build team performance from the lens of the team, not the individual. And then you're freed up to have greater impact in the role you're doing, the impact you want to have on the world, the changes that you want to make or the outcomes you want to deliver for your stakeholders. So that impact piece, it's one team at a time that creates a massive ripple effect throughout an organisation. And when you get that critical mass, of course, it frees up space to have greater impact in the work you're doing. You know, it's really interesting. I can't remember who wrote the book, A Fish Rots from the Head. And I sort of think if a fish rots from the head, the middle or the bottom, it's still a rotten fish, you know. (laughs) I don't know. I think this is based on 20 plus years doing this work. If there's some negativity in an organisation, regardless of whether it's coming from below the middle or the top, it erodes culture. And sometimes those key influences, sometimes it can come from bottom up, sideways or top down. With regards to, as you know, with all the work that you do on boards and the CEO of an organisation, they set the boundaries about what's acceptable in our system and what's not acceptable in our system. So it's a combination. It's a dual effect. Definitely senior leaders are accountable and responsible for setting what's acceptable in a culture, in a system. It's when you walk into an organisation, Donnie, and they've got the beautiful posters with the lovely values and very quickly the behaviours aren't matching those values. That's because that's not happening. When you have a highly aware leader in an organisation, they'll have very strict parameters and boundaries around what's acceptable, regardless of whether you're one of the high performers or not. 
So in today's workplace environment, we often hear conversations around leading and creating high-performing teams. How do you know if the potential of your team has already been reached? I think if you feel the potential has been reached, then you're going backwards maybe because it's an evolving system. I think if we arrive at our full potential individually as a team or an organisation, then it's stunting future potential because let's face it, none of us know what we're capable of until we're on the cliff's edge, right? Hopefully with a parachute. So I think when I work with teams, the ones who get exceptional results keep doing the work and they elevate their potential and results by focusing on building strong capabilities. And as I said, there are 14 that we focus on. And we measure this with a baseline and then again, six months later to establish results. So keeping your team match fit is incredibly important. Invest in the work and keep doing it. Olympic athletes remain high performing by continuing to train by continuing to reassess, as sad as this is, no one gets fit buying Lululemon or cycling shorts. <laughs> so the moment you feel, I know it's, a, it's really quite, that was sad for me to realise that one as well. You know, you have to stay match fit and you have to keep investing in the work. And I think potential, I think if we feel we've arrived at the destination, we've missed something. It's a constant evolution. How do we maintain optimal results so that we're arriving at the destination that we want to be at? So you often hear about change fatigue. Do you ever hear about high-performing teams getting fatigued because they are operating at those high levels all the time? Yeah, it's that boom and bust cycle. Again, if we think back to Olympic athletes, they're not running their Olympic race 24-7. They sleep, they hydrate, they focus on nutrition. They've got a whole manner of interventions or habits that they constantly embed in their lives so that when they need to run, they can hit it hard and they can run hard. I think it's really important not to confuse consistent high performance with Olympic high performance standard running all the time. You can't run at that high level of Olympic standard all the time. What we're looking for is consistent high performance, and that is incredibly achievable. And interestingly enough, when you research that team coaching did show that only 10% of teams consider themselves high performing, that's 90% of teams that think they are not. I think McKinsey did a similar study and they came up with 20%, 10, 20, you know, to choose which one we want to take on. However, that's still a massive gap. And I think that, again, that boom and bust cycle, it's around how do we maintain that consistency so that we are delivering on what's important rather than running those crazy sprints, often dehydrated. Do you think it's even harder living through COVID now where a lot of teams or a lot of people in teams don't even want to go into the workplace? I think re-entering the workplace and hybrid working is creating, there's a lot of complexity around that. We're human beings with emotions and people are feeling a lot more productive working from home and connection is lost. The moment you get back into a room with someone, we can connect on Zoom as we are now and we feel that connection. We've met before, so that helps and you can create amazing results connection via Zoom. But it's a little bit, I don't know, in the days when we were younger, the after parties where all the connections <laughs> happened. <laughs> Maybe not <Correct>. the best ones. <laughs> Maybe not the best ones. I'm glad it's not that type of interview. But I think what's important is the meeting ends, right? Or the session ends. And then there's that five, 10 minutes of the after party connection or the after minute that is being lost. So yes, productivity wise, but people are becoming more and more isolated and they're losing that incidental connectedness. So that's, there's so much benefit in people being back together 
And there's benefit in hybrid working where you have days where you need to smash out a report, get stuff done, not be disturbed. Great time to work from home. So I'd love to hear about your book, Women and Success, which has been described as a treasure chest of insights that takes readers on a journey of self-discovery. So what's the key message from this book that you'd like your reading audience to take with them? I think success is highly individual, so there'll be no surprises you know, contribution, meaning, purpose, all of the things that we've come to understand and know, even more so uh, help drive what success means to us. I think there's an important piece that success changes over time. Think about what you thought was successful when you were 20, 30, 35, 40, for me, 35, 50. 50. (laughs) What we want and how we measure success changes over time. Recalibration at different life stages and points, I think, is really valuable. Are we worshipping at the wrong altars when it comes to what we believe success is? I mean, just think about when people are feeling their worst, they compare themselves to other people's Instagram best days, which have got filters on them anyway. You know, thinking it's very individual, it's really important to take time to understand what success means to you, how you sabotage this and how you move forward towards living life successfully as defined by you for you and as a team defined collectively as a team moving forward. So when clients ask me to help them understand what they want to do, what's my next career role? What am I going to do in life? What's our next challenge? The question I ask them first is to just take a deep breath and to map out how they want to live. That's where you're going to find the clues to what success means for you. You are so wise and wonderful. How would you like our listeners to connect with you? They could drop me an email, pollyannalenkich.com. They might have to look that one up on your website. Or they can connect via LinkedIn, you know, say, hi, heard you chatting to Donnie and reaching out and connect. So I'm quite easy to find. Wonderful. Well, Pollyanna, always a pleasure to spend time with you. I really appreciate you being our guest on my podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Women on the Move, the Behind Closed Doors podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. To find out more about Behind Closed Doors, visit www.behindcloseddoors.com where you can find the full range of membership options. Women on the Move was recorded on Ghana lands and is a narrative network audio production.